I'm sure you've heard the rally cry. Protect black women! Well, it's time to get into why this is a myth. It's more than just a rally cry, but it certainly is not taken seriously. So let's get into it. I've got some explaining to do. Hey everyone, it's Ayana. Welcome to episode nine. Can you believe I've done this nine times? Well, ten if you count that intro. Trailer, whatever, the intro to Ayana Explains It All. But yeah, nine official episodes of Ayana Explains It All. And every week I think about topics I'm going to explore on the show. And sometimes I get to talk about the things that I planned to talk about. And there are other times where I just scrap what I thought I was going to talk about and talk about something completely different. And it's usually because people in society or society in general has uh, put its foot in its mouth. So that's what's happening this week. There are no corrections corners this week. Thank God. <laughs> I seem to have not triggered anyone with my my show about Ramadan. People are receiving that very well. And uh, I wanted people to know that, yes, Ramadan started on Saturday, April 2nd, 2022. And it's been wonderful. But for me, I have been very tired. So I am surprised that I'm actually sitting here doing this because I am exhausted. Can't get out of bed until the absolute last minute before I have somewhere to go and my head hurts and my stomach hurts and there's always this adjustment that the body goes into when fasting starts so inshallah it gets better it does get better the body adjusts to what's going on like the old girl knows she knows what's happening honey she knows she's getting into her mode and soon I'll be able to do all of the things that I usually do, like uh, work out and uh, housework. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Inshallah. Everything is inshallah because my focus really is on Ramadan. It's not on, it's not on um, anything but the fast and the good deeds and the prayer and the giving and 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 those things so so i wanted to start this by telling a story here we go she should still be alive it was march 12 2020 when a jefferson county circuit court judge approved a no-knock warrant for locations linked to her ex-boyfriend she did not live with him he was not associated with her. Police did not do their due diligence, and the judge signed off on warrants that they then executed on her current residence. She was in bed with her boyfriend when the officers announced their presence and pushed through the door. Unbeknownst to her boyfriend, who yelled and asked who was at the door, 
Who was in his apartment is what he wanted to know. But they did not respond. He grabbed his firearm, his legally lawfully possessed firearm, his legally lawfully owned firearm, believing there was an intruder in his apartment, in his home, and he fired at the intruders, and the intruders fired back. Again, unbeknownst to him, it was Kansas City, Missouri police officers. They fired dozens of rounds back at the man and his girlfriend. Those rounds hit her multiple times, and she fell, laying where she stood, unaided by the police. Those rounds also hit the homes of her neighbors. Her boyfriend called 911 and reported the shooting. He said, they shot my girlfriend. He did not, at the time, know that the they were the police who had just executed a warrant at the wrong residence. And in doing so, they ended the life of Brianna Taylor. For months, her death went unnoticed in popular media, relegated to a sad story of a shooting death that left a black woman dead in her apartment, in her house. It was not until the unfortunate and brutal, disgusting murder of George Floyd that the story of Breonna Taylor came to popular attention. And since then, since the 2020 murder of Breonna Taylor, calls to protect Black women reached heights we had not witnessed since the 1970s Black Power Movement, since the days of the leadership of Malcolm X. But since the justice, or rather the injustice, was allowed to continue when the officers involved in the shooting were not jailed, they were fired from their jobs, but they were not brought to bear for murdering Breonna Taylor or for firing rounds into her neighbor's home. Since then, the rally cries to protect Black women have fallen silent, mostly, because when we think about protecting Black women, it's usually protect Black women from police, protect Black women from oppressors, white men. That's how we've framed it. So when it comes time to actually protect a Black woman from something other than a, a cop or a white man, we are dumbfounded. We are stupid. We are silent. In 2022, the phrase protect Black women is merely lip service in response to an incident that we're all talking about. 
And this week, this past week, many blogs and news publications have made buku dollars talking about the unfortunate incident at this year's Academy Awards when actor Will Smith slapped the piss out of Chris Rock for disrespecting his black woman. Now, he's been brought to task for his behavior, and whether you think it is appropriate or not, he certainly did what he felt was necessary to protect his black woman, and I applaud him for it. You're not going to find any, any uh, words used against Mr. Smith here. I'm not going to speak against him because anytime a black man does anything to defend a black woman, I cheer it. I do not jeer it. I do not discourage it. I'm certainly never going to discourage a black man from defending his black wife. I'm never going to discourage a black man from standing up for his black woman, his black sister, his black daughter. I'm not going to do it. The problem is that we think protecting black women only looks one way. Usually, some words sputtered out in a tweet or social media post or after something bad has happened to a black woman, people go, oh, she's a female. How could you do that to her? Without even considering how she ended up in the situation to have violence perpetuated against her. We look at women like Jada Pinkett Smith and we think, well, she's rich, she's fine, she'll get over it. But that's not the problem. Her getting over it is not the problem. It's that people are very comfortable, not just Chris Rock, lots of people. People are very comfortable with stereotyping, denigrating, and maligning black women for entertainment. I talked about this before, how men spend a lot of time imitating Black women for laughs. They imitate us at the beauty salon, at the store. They imitate us in scenarios with our children, at our jobs. It's hilarious. It's funny. All Black women act this way. All Black women wear weaves and wigs, and they have long nails, and they have keys that make a lot of noise and they talk a certain way, and they do this a certain way, and it's stereotyping. But what you don't understand is that stereotypes actually lead to violence against Black women. Yes, physical violence, mental violence. Stereotypes can lead to violence against Black women. And what do I mean by that? Imagine you're not taken seriously by police, by law enforcement, or by doctors even, because they've heard certain things about Black women. Black women act this way. They're loud. They're overbearing. They're exaggerating. They're dramatic. So imagine your call to a police not taken seriously is not taken seriously because they've already made up their minds what type of person you are based on your race. What if your 
cries of pain are not taken seriously by doctors or nurses in the emergency room because they've already made up their minds the type of person that you are based on some things they saw on television or in popular media. They've decided that women like you are always coming into the ER asking for pain medication. So you must be just here asking for pain medication because you're a drug addict. So we're not going to give it to you. The media has decided that there is only one way to defend a black woman. There's only one way to protect a black woman, and that is with words. I think it's silly, but let's go with it. The media has decided that the clean way, the zipped up way, the Senator Cory Booker way, is the best and only way to protect and defend Black women. Now, I will give it to Senator Cory Booker. He fought and clawed to get onto the Senate Judiciary Committee. And one of the jobs, one of the duties of the Senate Judiciary Committee is to hold appointment hearings for presidential appointments. And two weeks ago, it was the appointment hearing for Judge Brown Jackson. And the GOP did its job. They're supposed to attack her record. That is what they did. If it was a Republican candidate, they would have attacked her record, and that is exactly what they did to Amy Coney Barrett, who is now a Supreme Court justice. You're supposed to attack their record. You're supposed to go after their record. But what the GOP did was propelled a racist agenda, a prejudiced agenda, even though they were just doing their jobs according to them. It is the job of the Senate Judiciary Committee to consider presidential appointments and attack their record accordingly, but it is not the job of the Senate Judiciary Committee to put forth lies and innuendos about presidential appointment candidates. And that is exactly what they did with Judge Katani Brown-Jackson. Very silly things like, um, do you think babies are racist? They asked her things about critical race theory. They asked her about why she's, they, they insinuated that she was soft on pedophiles. They insinuated that very heavily. They attacked her sentencing of convicted criminals records as a federal judge, insinuating that she did not give as much time to pedophiles as she could have. And when they were finally done, when they had finally asked her what I think are inappropriate questions for a job interview, you know, questions about her religion, questions about her um, upbringing, questions about the type of judge she could possibly be, even though she's Protestant and even though she has been light on pedophiles, could she be impartial? Even though she once mentioned 
critical race theory in a speech that she gave, could she possibly be impartial? Or is she just a tool for the Democrats? Is this a sign of court packing? And what Senator Booker did was to solidify Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson, her qualifications for the justice, the open justice seat for the Supreme Court of the United States. He gave an impassioned speech. Very well done. And I mean, Justice Brown-Jackson, she could hold her own. She was graceful. She was... She was strong. Her language was, was, uh, it was, her language was clear and concise, very to the point, not maligning at all, not uh, condescending, even though the senators, the GOP, GOP senators condescended to her several times. She kept her cool. And when Senator Booker gave his speech, he let it be known that we're not going to tolerate what the GOP did. I'm going to take them to task because their own people did not take them to task and allowed them to act like clowns at a clown circus. And so people saw this and they were very proud, very proud of Cory Booker for standing up for this black woman. And I, too, am very proud of him. Proud of what he did, even though, even though she could hold her own. He still had her back. But this is not the only way to defend a Black woman's honor. I want you to know that right now. Sitting in the presence of a very esteemed individuals and saying thank you for your service, and saying this is your record, and I support you. You're a good American. You're going to be good for this country as a Supreme Court justice is not the only way to defend and protect a Black woman. Because think about it. How did Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson become a judge? There had to be a lot of things that fell into place for a Black woman to become a federally appointed judge. Yes, that's how bad it is in America for Black women. There had to be a lot of people sweeping her path for her to make it to be a federally appointed judge, to sit on the federal bench, and then for her to be considered for a Supreme Court justice seat. And if this is the only way to defend Black women, well, then I should say that that's wrong. That's wrong. What about defending our personhood, our personal bodies, our bodies? How do you defend our bodies with just words? You can't. Sometimes violence is necessary. And I'm not telling people to be violent. I wouldn't do that. I'm a lawyer. 
not encouraging anyone to do anything that would put them in jail. But sometimes defending black women, protecting black women is going to look like violence. And you're going to have to take the L for protecting black women. And should you? That's up to you. Are there other ways to protect and defend black women before we even get to a point where there's violence being lodged against us? Absolutely. If a man gets on a stage in front of millions of people watching and sitting in the audience and tells a joke at a black woman's expense, the best thing to do is not laugh. But also the best thing to do is to not do it. But he did it. He got slapped. But there are so many ways, so many avenues, so many things about Black women in our lives in America that need to be protected and defended. It's not just our ego. That's part of it. What about our reproductive rights, our wages, our income, our sexuality, our sexual choices, our fashion choices, our career choices, our hairstyles, or our bald heads, our humanity. You ever had someone who uses that I have a black friend line or I have a gay friend line as their way of showing that they're allies with the black community or the, the LGBTQIA community. Oh, yeah, I, I got some friends who are, you know, members of that community. Everybody has friends in a community outside of their whiteness or brownness or blackness. Everyone has a friend outside of the community, outside of their gender community, outside of their sexual orientation community. Until you have to consider the humanity of the person you are friends with. Then those bonds fall away. Until you have to consider the humanity, the equality with you of this person you're calling a friend then those bonds fall away because you're not really a friend. You're not really an ally. You just say it because it looks good. Looks good on social media when you put that little black square up to show your solidarity with black people who are being beaten to death, shot to death by police. Looks good when you say protect black women after one of us is murdered by police or murdered by a white man we went on a date with. Protect black women. Looks good. You feel good. When it's, when it's Pride Month and you could wear your rainbow clothes and, and whatever, whatever, whatever else people wear when they want to show their solidarity. But then when you have to consider the humanity of a person who is gay or a person who is black, a person who is Hispanic, when you have to consider their humanity, their history, their impact on the United States, when you have to think about it, actually think about it, whether they are deserving of the same opportunities and rights as you, when you think about it, 
you have to ask yourself if they're really deserving. Then you no longer have a friend. Because if you can't look at that person and say that they are equal to you, they are deserving of the same rights as you, they are deserving of the same breaks as you, they are deserving of the same accolades as you, the same jobs, the same opportunity, the same education as you. If you can't look at them and say that fully and then do the work to help them get to where you are, then you are not an ally. You are not an ally. You are not a friend. There are ways of defending and types of defenses for Black women in the workplace, with legislation, but there is also that unspoken but quietly championed method of defense, violence. Breonna Taylor's boyfriend used violence to defend him and her and was vilified by many for shooting at police and police shooting back at him and her and ultimately killing her. He was vilified because he shot at police. He should have known those were police in his home. He should have known, right? He should have known. How could he have not known? Or maybe because he was asleep. He was asleep. He was startled out of his bed, out of his sleep. I don't know if you've ever been startled out of your sleep. You have no awareness of where you are for those first few, I would say 30 seconds. You have no awareness of where you are. It's called a stupor. You don't know where you are, who you are, really. You don't know if you're asleep or if you're awake, if you're dreaming, or if this is real life, you don't know what room you're in. You can't, you can't think. And so when you're startled awake by noises, someone coming into your house, the first thing you're going to do, because this is what you've trained your brain to do, the first thing you do is you reach for your weapon. If this is what you've trained your brain to do, gun owners, would agree with me. The first thing you're going to do is grab a weapon. Even if it's not a gun, you're going to grab something and you're going to be calling 911. You're going to grab a bat, knife. You may run and hide. But you're definitely not going to let them get to you and your girlfriend. And so he did what he had to do. And unfortunately, Miss Taylor was killed. It's very unfortunate. I'm not sure she would not have been killed anyway. Because the police went into her home, guns pointed, blazing. If they had made any move in any direction, police probably would have shot and killed both of them. Because this is what they do. They shoot first and ask questions later. This is what they do. They don't diffuse situations. And so, yeah, sometimes we have to get violent to protect Black women. Sometimes we have to dole out violence because that is what is giving, given to us. 
We have to fight back with our fists, with our hands. Yeah, sometimes we do. We all have to ask ourselves if we were in a scenario like Brianna Taylor and her boyfriend or Jada and Will. This is how you empathize with people. You have to put yourselves in their shoes and ask yourself, what would you have done? And maybe you would have done something completely different. And maybe the outcome would have been the same. But at least you know what people are faced with. People who are faced with violence every day, discrimination, racial discrimination, racial inequities, racial violence, people who are pressed every day about the state of their marriage, people who have to deal with jokes every day. I told you guys this before. People aren't taking your shit anymore. People aren't taking the jokes at their expense. The jokes are not funny. And people will say, oh, but you just have a thin skin. You got to learn to have a thick skin. I don't have to have a, thin, a thick skin about shit. I don't have to have a thick skin about shit. If I go to a comedy show and I'm made fun of, that's different than me showing up on the best night of my spouse's life and I'm sitting there with my spouse and someone points to me and makes a joke about me that pokes fun at my medical condition. I don't have to take that. You don't have to take indignities. You do not have to take them because someone calls themselves a comedian and they're doing it on TV. Some action is okay, some action is not okay. And I'm talking about when it comes to defending black women. We see some violence as okay, some violence is not okay. Some action is okay, some action is not okay. Why can't we just agree that whatever people felt the need to do in that moment is what they felt the need to do and let the chips fall where they may? I can't imagine. I, I, I can't imagine looking into the face of the person who raped someone I love and having to decide if I want to blow their head off or just let the courts deal out the justice as slow as it may take. I can't imagine. I don't know what I would do. I can sit here all here and 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 say that I oh I wouldn't I wouldn't take revenge. I wouldn't do that. I don't know. Honest, I do not know. I know what I wanted to do to the men who physically and sexually abused me. I know exactly what I wanted to do to them for years, and it was not anything good. So for me to sit here and pretend like I wouldn't do it, I would be a hypocrite. I was treated very poorly, very poorly. And when I fought back, I got into trouble. The same way Will Smith has gotten into trouble. When you fight back, you get into trouble. You're not, you're supposed to take what people give to you. You're supposed to take what people do to you. I say that's bullshit. You don't have to take it. 
but hey, <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> when I was coming up, man, I got picked on, teased, bullied mercilessly for wearing hijab. I was treated so poorly, so just dismissively, ugly, counted out, uh, singled out, anything you can think of. People would snatch my headscarf off. Adults would snatch, would snatch my headscarf off to make fun of me. They would yank it off. Kids would yank it off. And I, I just, I was supposed to just take it. And I did for years. I was called all kinds of names. But one of the biggest things that people would accuse me, yes, accuse me of, is being bald underneath my headscarf. I was called baldy, ugly, bald girl, bald bitch. And it didn't matter to my taunters that I had plenty of hair underneath my hijab. Shouting that back to them would not have helped me at all because they had already made up their minds that I was bald and ugly and not worth the trouble. They could say whatever they wanted and then just walk on by. I cannot express enough just how unfunny and hurtful comments about a person's physical attributes can be. I mean, those things hit, hit you really, especially if you're someone who already has low self-esteem, especially if you're someone who's been abused, especially if you're someone who's been mistreated already. especially black women who are charged with being so we have to keep our beauty up. We have to keep our hair done, our nails done, our makeup done. We have to have our clothes looking a certain way or we're going to get picked on or we're going to get teased or we're going to get laughed at on the internet, in person. We're going to get bullied. We are pressed and pressured on our beauty. We have to be fighting and gracious and beautiful at the same time, and it is exhausting. We cannot be ugly. We cannot have ugly moments. We cannot wake up ugly. We can't go to bed ugly. We can't walk around ugly. And ugly, what I mean by ugly is what others perceive. If you feel ugly on the inside, then you feel ugly on the inside. If that's how you feel on the outside, then that's how you... I'm talking about how others look at you, what others accuse you of being. Black women always, we always have to be put together. And this is something that goes way, way, way back. 40s, 50s, 60s. How black women were raised to be completely put together when we're in public so that people will pick us. They will take us seriously. They will want us to work for them. They will want to go to school with us. So they would feel comfortable having us around. They'll feel comfortable being our roommate in college. They'll feel comfortable having us as a nurse or a doctor. We have to look good. If you're a woman, a black woman who has a bald head, well, why don't you just put on a wig? 
is what they tell you. And it's what I've heard many times. You know, <laughs> my daughter uh, is up on all of the whatever trends on TikTok and, and things. And apparently there's a there's some use of Queen Latifah's UNITY song going around. And she was singing the part about love a black woman from infinity to infinity. And I said, you know where that came from? And she said, no, I just saw it on this, this, this video. Everybody's passing around these videos. And I was like, hey, you know, Alexa, play um, Queen Latifah's UNITY. And the song comes on, and I'm, I'm, I know the words. I know all the words to the song. Because when I was growing up, like, there was that moment in the 90s where everything was about Black woman's empowerment. You know, I'm a 90s girl. I'm educated. I'm smart. I'm worthy. I'm not just going to be used for sex. I don't want to be called bitches and hoes in rap music. I want to be treated well. I want people to respect me. There was that whole period of that. And that UNITY song came out during that time. And I knew all the words to that. And I could still sing it today. And it's so funny because I listened to this and I'm like, wow. We have completely reversed course on this. <laughs> We have completely reversed course. Women love being called bitch, boss bitch, crazy bitch. They call each other bitch in the songs. They don't mind being called a hoe, call each other hoe. It's hoe this, hoe that, bitch this, bitch that. It's cute, it's funny. I don't think it is, but. That's how it's treated in popular culture. And the loving of a Black woman, the way Queen Latifah spoke about loving a Black woman from infinity to infinity. Woof! They don't do that no more. <laughs> no, ma'am. They don't do that. We have completely reversed course on what we would tolerate, what we expect, what we want from people, what we demand. I guess it could be because people think we already have it, like things are equalized. Um, no. Things are not equalized. And I talked about this in my podcast on equal wages. Black women do not make as much as white women who do not make as much as white men. None of us are making as much as white men, but black women seem to have it worse. Black and Hispanic women rather have it worse than anybody. And black women seem to make up a lot of low wage jobs, but we're also the breadwinner in eight out of 10 households. So low-wage jobs, but we're taking care of our households more than men are. I am not surprised that in 2022, Black women still have to defend our beauty choices. 
red lipstick? Oh, the internet explodes when a black woman wears red lipstick. Why? Because dark-skinned women, especially dark-skinned black women, are not supposed to wear bright lip colors, according to some people, because it's not good. It's not a good look for us. I wear red lipstick. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do as a dark-skinned black woman is to put on red lipstick, and I don't give a fuck who has anything to say about it. You can call me ugly. Go ahead. Doesn't make me ugly. But these are one of the things that black women are tasked with, defending the color of the, the lipstick that we wear. We have to defend our natural hair. The Congressional House recently passed the Crown Act that makes it illegal for Black women to be discriminated against in employment for their hairstyle. Yeah, that's how bad it is for Black women in America. Black women in America are routinely denied promotions, interviews, jobs, bonuses because of our hairstyles. We're told to change our hair, go home. If you come to work with a certain hairstyle, go home and change your hair. You go to school with a certain hairstyle, go home and change your hair or tell your mom not to send you to school again with your hair the way that is. Talking about natural hair, natural braids, natural afros, or wig, weave. Can't, can't have wigs or weaves of certain colors. They have to be plain colors. You can't wear your hair a certain way because it's against the rules. We also have to defend our sex partner choices. Oh my gosh, this... Listen. Yeah, I'm Muslim. Okay? Everybody knows that. But I can recognize that women are free to choose to have sex with whomever they want. Whomever we want, rather. We are free to choose who we want to have sex with. And if a woman wants to have sex with nine men, it's her business. Nobody cares when a man does it. A man isn't called a hoe. A man isn't berated. A man isn't put down. Men are praised for having multiple sex partners. They are desired even more. It's disgusting. We should not have to explain our sexual partner choices, our sexual choices, our reproductive choices, our marital status. Wow. A woman doesn't want to get married, so what? A woman doesn't want to have kids, so what? That's her choice. We should not have to explain this to people, why we don't want to do it. You don't have to do anything. That's the answer to that. You don't have to do a damn thing. Nobody does. If somebody is depending on you to carry on the family name, hey, that's their problem. You're not going to be held hostage 
by what dead people and old people want. That's ridiculous. You don't want to have a baby. You don't want to get married. Don't have a baby. Don't get married. It's as simple as that. Our medical choices. We have to defend who we're dating. We have to defend the clothes that we wear. Oh my gosh. Black women can only dress a certain way if they want to be respected, right? No short skirts. No dresses with holes cut out of them. You have to wear an undergarment. You have to wear underwear. You have to wear slip. You have to wear stockings. You have to wear sensible shoes. And we also have to defend our body weight. You have to look a certain way if you're a black woman. Did you know that? Small waist, big butt, big chest. That's it. And if you don't look like that, then you're fat or you're um, skinny as a pole and you're ugly. If you don't look a certain way as a black woman, you're ugly. And I see it every day. I see it every fucking day. I see it every day. And this is the pressure we're putting on black women to live up to these ridiculous beauty lifestyle standards that people who are judging us don't even live up to, couldn't even hold a candle to. We are never free to be who we are, who we've worked to become. Even when we're sick, we still have to explain ourselves to people who do not matter to us or who do not defend us. Protecting Black women is a myth in the United States. There, I said it. Protecting Black women is a myth. And I'll tell you why. Because suddenly a slap at the Academy Awards sparks debate on how to protect Black women. We haven't figured out how to do it. It's a myth because we haven't figured out how to do it. We haven't figured out what's best in this arena. We talk about it as if it was settled. It's not settled. This is not new. However, the discussion about protecting Black women is not new, even before Breonna Taylor's murder. Sandra Bland. I mean, that, that entire... Her death brought out so many questions about how we're treating Black women who were incarcerated that did, even though for decades, decades, Black women in prison are treated poorly. Pregnant Black women, Black women who are addicted to substances, Black mothers. It's incredible what finally gets people to pay attention. But when they pay attention, it's only insofar as the thing they're talking about is still in the news. 
And the people who are really doing the work are constantly doing the work. They're not sitting around waiting for somebody to notice. They're actually doing the work. For instance, introduced in December 2021 by Congresswoman Robin L. Kelly of Illinois, Yvette D. Clark of New York, and Bonnie Watson Coleman of New Jersey, they're co-chairs of the Caucus on Black Women and Girls, and Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick, yeah, a Republican from Pennsylvania, they ushered the bipartisan Protect Black Women and Girls Act to the congressional floor. Now, they did this. Um, Congresswoman Kelly did this in 2020, but it was killed on the floor. It died on the floor, the House floor. And so they reintroduced it in 2021. This bill, if passed into law, would establish an interagency task force to examine the conditions and experiences of Black women and girls in education, economic development, health care, labor and employment, housing, justice, and civil rights to promote community-based methods for mitigating and addressing harm and ensuring accountability and to study societal effects on Black women and girls. Representative Watson Coleman said, as co-chair of the Caucus on Black Women and Girls, I know that Black women routinely suffer from disparate outcomes in areas ranging from pay to maternal mortality to housing instability and over-incarceration. This bill will, for the first time, charge a commission to examine the causes of these gaps and propose solutions. This bill and the commission it will create represent an important step in creating equity for America's Black women and girls. There's no, uh, I couldn't find anything on how the bill is doing now, but it was just reintroduced in December 2021, so I'm sure there should be some news about it soon. I'll have to check and see if I can get you guys and myself up to date on what's going on with the bill. I get the feeling that every time it, it dies, it's going to be reintroduced because this is very important. As Representative Kelly said in an interview about the legislation, she spoke about the increasing rates of Black maternal mortality and bias against Black women in healthcare and scientific institutions. Again, stereotypes leading to the death of Black women. Black women are dying to give birth. They are dying while giving birth dying while pregnant. Black women are up to two and a half times more likely to die than white women because of pregnancy or birth-related complications each year. Most of them preventable complications. But the leading cause of death in Black women, according to the CDC, the most recent uh, research on this is from the year 2017. The CD says that the leading cause of death in Black women 
2017. It's also something preventable, mostly, because some of this is uh, congenital. But it is heart disease. That is the leading cause of death for Black women, is heart disease. Then a close second, cancer. And nothing even comes close to the two of them. It's like heart disease, cancer, and then way down on the list. I can't even remember what the third thing was. I want to say it was diabetes. I'll have to look at that again. But again, some cancers are preventable. Cancers caused by HPV, for instance. Some of these could be also could be caught by routine screenings. And so when I say protect Black women is a myth, I'm saying this because I know Black women are not being encouraged to get these preventable screenings, mammograms, pap tests, uh, physical exams, examinations of strange symptoms. When we go into our doctor's office and we say we feel a certain way, we have a pain in our stomach, we have a pain in our chest, and we're dismissed as just having some stomach upset and given some ibuprofen and told to go on our way. This happens to us. We're not being referred for tests because maybe we don't have the best insurance or maybe we don't have any insurance, but we're being sent away when we have probably a serious medical condition that needs more attention than our doctor is giving us. When we are sick and suffering, are people empathetic? Are they compassionate? Not from what I've seen. Because even a woman with alopecia is told to get over it, put on a wig, get over it, bitch. Yeah, lots of people calling Jada Pinkett Smith a bitch. And for what? She didn't do anything to you people. But she's called a bitch. Told to put on a wig. You'll be fine. Just go, you know, you got a lot of money. Buy a wig. But my question is, how can we protect Black women when we cannot even agree that a slanderous joke at a major awards show is harmful to a Black woman who, has only, who was only there minding her business and supporting her spouse. That in numerous interviews about their marriage, the pair endured taunting and jokes from interviewers looking for a soundbite or a viral moment. Anyone can endure anything, I assure you. But in a professional setting, it seems too much to bear. In any setting, it seems too much to bear. Imagine you're at work and someone is constantly harping on something that you did or said. You'd probably lose it. I'm not saying you're justified. I'm just saying it happens. I have been, as I have said many times, I have been the victim of sexual and physical violence at a time when it, had, it would have meant everything for someone to render aid to me. Probably could have saved me from a lifetime of poor decisions if I had been as a child 
saved and counseled, given proper therapy to understand that what happened to me should not have happened. But it was clear to me that I was on my own in every instance. It was clear to me that I was to solve these problems by myself. And I didn't do very well. Ultimately, I got to a point in my life where I was not choosing men who abuse me. Ultimately, I got to a point in my life where I was not haunted by the effects of sexual and physical abuse. I'm able to live free of the post-traumatic stress disorder, the anxiety, the depression. I'm better, much better. But sexual and physical violence against Black women is perpetuated from childhood into adulthood. And who is doing anything about it? When I say protect Black women, it isn't just from jokes at an awards show. It's from the people in our homes. It's from the people at school. It's from the people we ride the school bus with. It's from the people on the, on the subway. It's from the men making the cat calls to us on the street. It's from the strangers threatening us. When I say protect Black women, I say protect Black women from everyone, including ourselves including Black men and boys. It's not that we are helpless. It's not that we don't know how to do it. But sometimes, as they say, the call is coming from inside of the house. Sometimes the perpetrator of the violence against Black women are members of our own families. Our parents, our siblings, our spouses, partners, intimate partner violence. Sometimes it's people we work with. So when it comes to protect Black women, I am crying foul. I'm not crying victim here. I'm not playing victim. I'm crying foul. Because there is a real problem. And it goes beyond someone getting smacked at an awards show. The condition of black women in America deserves close examination and rectifying. Rectify your affairs on earth. Rectify your affairs on earth. In episode seven, I discussed the unequal wages Black women receive for doing the same job as a white man, despite being highly educated, despite having years of experience. Where then is the call to raising wages to make them equal across genders? Told you about the legislation that has not yet passed at the federal level. Equal pay, we're still waiting. Black women are still waiting for you to protect our wages. Since there's only one way to protect black women, 
being with the pen or your mouth? Why don't you use a pen to write to your senators, to write to your representatives and tell them to pass the equal pay law that has been waiting, that has been waiting to be passed? Women aren't even treated equally in American society. And that is because not enough people want us to be. If enough people wanted us to be, it would be a done deal. It would be sealed. If enough people wanted us to have equal wages with men, it would be done. That's what happens in a democracy. If enough people want it, then it's done. It's finished. Sealed. So the notion that black women are protected is a myth to me because you're not protecting our wages. You're not protecting our wealth, our income, our children, our reproductive rights. How many times are we going to have to fight for the right to be able to choose whether we want to have a baby? And why would we want to have a baby? You want to bring a baby into this? It's your choice, certainly. But if you don't want to, you shouldn't have to. Considering the view that there is only one way to protect Black women, take a pen and write to studio executives about the lack of representation of Black women in film and TV, and that is behind the camera. Directors, producers, casting agents, musicians, not just the actors on the screen. but more representation of Black stories, the reality of Black life in America, not just the stereotypes about drugs and guns and gangs and inner-city neighborhoods and people talking like they're a caricature. Take a pen and write to yourself the ways in which you daily protect Black women. See if you can find one. Consider, black women die from pregnancy-related complications at three times the rate of their non-Hispanic white counterparts. For every U.S. dollar that a white man earns in the United States, black women are paid 61 cents. Sixty percent of black girls experience sexual assault before they reach adulthood. In comparison to white girls, Black school-aged girls are four times more likely to be arrested at school and five times more likely to be transferred to another school for disciplinary reasons. But you all want to be upset that a man smacked another man at an award show <laughs> because of a joke about his wife. That is literally the least that has been done for us. That's the least that has been done. We have got some work to do. And if you're sitting there outraged at anyone, be outraged at yourself. Because I know there are people sitting somewhere going, it's not a big deal that a black woman is made fun of. 
it's not a big deal that a black woman has a medical condition. It's not a big deal that black women are targeted. It's not a big deal that black women are targeted by police. It's not a big deal that black women are raped and murdered. It's not a big deal that men prey on young black women. It's not a big deal. Nothing is a big deal. It seems that the only time we rush really to protect black women is when one of us is murdered by police. That gets a lot of attention. Or if one of us is murdered by a white person, that gets a lot of attention. Gets a lot of attention from celebrities. Gets a lot of attention in social media. And yeah, it deserves attention, absolutely. But all of this deserves attention. All of these issues that I have brought forth to you deserve attention. Lauren Smith Fields is a more recent example of a black woman's death that brought out the talking heads, celebrities, and social media comments. Most in support of law enforcement properly investigating her death, she died under suspicious circumstances. She was on a date with a man she met online. After her family was trying to get in contact with her, they couldn't get in contact with her. They had made contact with her the day of, but the day after, nobody could reach her. By the time they got to her apartment, her body had already been carted out by law enforcement because the person she was on the date with called 911 and said that she was unresponsive. So when police showed up, they discovered, yeah, she's dead. Bing, bang, boom, dead. They carted her off, medical examiner. Her family's looking for her only to find that she was dead and no one had informed them. And so rightly so, people were very pissed. They wanted law enforcement to look at the man she was with. They wanted an independent autopsy done. All of these things. But ultimately, the police are going to do what they do. They're going to treat her like they treat black women. And I don't want to tell you how they treat black women. Sometimes they treat us, especially if we're with white men, like coked-out prostitutes. They're very dismissive of black women's deaths. Very But it seems to me that the main focus of protecting black women is to keep us from being murdered by white men. And that is literally it. Any other way that we're handed injustice is up to us to fix, right? The onus is on us the victims of injustices to fix the injustices. It's like the pro-choice, anti-choice argument 
One side only cares about the baby being born, not what happens to it after it leaves the hospital. Does she survive into adulthood? What kind of education or upbringing does she receive? Does she receive adequate food, water, health care? Does she receive yearly physical exams, eye exams, dental care? Are her educational opportunities square with her peers of other races and genders? If you cannot answer these questions in the affirmative, then you are not doing enough, if anything, at all to protect Black women. Protecting Black women doesn't mean protect us from white people. It means to ensure our equity in society, equality, humanity, wealth, intellect, physical and mental health. Will Smith slapping Chris Rock revealed a deeper ugliness, and I've said this before, one ugliness often reveals deeper ugliness. And here, the deeper ugliness reveals itself to be that sometimes the destroyer of Black women is Black people. So, you're asking yourself, if we're the destroyer, how can we also be the helper? We have to stop being the destroyer. We have to stop denigrating Black women. We have to stop maligning Black women. We have to stop treating Black women as if we are the butt of a joke, as if we are a joke, as if we're a monolith, as if we're supposed to look a certain way, talk a certain way, be a certain way to be accepted in society. Black women can be whoever the hell we want to be. We can look however we want. We can say what we want, wear what we want, believe what we want, go where we want. This is what we can do. And if we're allowed to do it, then guess what? We're going to bring people along with us. Because when you make sure Black women are taken care of, we're going to bring Black men along with us. That's just what we do. We bring our sons and partners along with us. We have to invest in our health, our physical health, our mental health. You hear this all the time. Oh, she needs therapy. Just get therapy. And it becomes kind of something people say. Just, it, 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 but it's true. It's true. We all need someone to talk to about the things that are going on inside our heads, the things we have dealt with as children, the things we are dealing with as adults. Sometimes we need medicine to deal with this, but mostly we need someone to help get us back to health. So we have to invest in our physical and mental health. We have to ensure our wealth by bringing our wages equal to those of white men. We are suffering physically and financially. And the least of our problems is some lame telling a joke at our expense on national TV. That's just the tip of the iceberg, as it were. Though it does highlight where respect lies for Black women in many of the conversations I've seen online, We have to do these things for our Black women. We have to.
And I'm not saying that black men don't experience the same thing because certainly black men do. But I'm talking about black women because that's what I'm talking about. If a black woman dies during childbirth, however, who was left to raise her child? Her black partner, perhaps? So maybe you're ensuring that your black female partner has proper health care while she's pregnant with your child is to your advantage. But also, elect more black women to higher office. As we saw with Representative Kelly, when black women are in office, black women bring black woman issues to the floor. They introduce legislation to help us out of these inequities, to right these wrongs. There are disparities that need to be addressed, and they can only be addressed at the legislative level. Protect our right to vote. Encourage voting in Black communities. The lack of engagement of Black voters by those running for office is clear. But if our vote is ever needed by them, they proselytize. They show up promising things that they think Black people want. But we're going to hand out more welfare benefits. Apparently, Black people only care about social welfare benefits. Never mind that we're concerned about affording college for our kids. Fair wages. Skilled job opportunities. Better health care, better health insurance. Better job opportunities in the markets we live in. Or in expanding markets such as technology. Solar power, wind power, engineering. Climate change. Yeah, Black people care about those things too. But when someone wants our vote, what do they promise? More police presence in the neighborhoods. I'm so sick of that shit. But then when the, when the people get elected and they get to office, they drop our issues off at the door. They leave them at the door. Drop them like some old muddy... Uh, rain boots. So we need to harness Black political power. We need to put more Black people in office. We need politicians to deliver on promises made to Black voters during election seasons. We also need to, more than ever, break up stereotypes about black women and girls because they can lead to sexual, mental, and physical violence against us. To be disbelieved or dismissed when we try to seek out 
help and support, to be arrested when we call the police to report violence from an intimate partner, and to be assaulted and subjected to sexual violence from police officers. 60% of Black girls are sexually abused before they reach the age of 18, in part because adults view Black girls as less innocent and more adult-like than their white peers, especially in the age range of 5 to 14, perceiving Black girls as needing less nurturing, protection, support, and comfort, and as more sexual at an early age. God. That's from the act.colorofchange.org website on their pledge to protect Black women and girls. I feel like I should read that again. We can also break up stereotypes about Black women and girls because they can lead to sexual, mental, and physical violence against us. For instance, to be disbelieved or dismissed when we try to seek out help and support, to be arrested when we call the police to report violence from an intimate partner, and to be assaulted and subjected to sexual violence from police officers. 60% of Black girls are sexually abused before they reach the age of 18, in part because adults view Black girls as less innocent and more adult-like than their white peers, especially in the age range of 5 to 14, perceiving Black girls as needing less nurturing, protection, support, and comfort, and as more sexual at an early age. So protect Black women. Protect Black women. As you can see, it's more than just slapping somebody upside the head for telling a joke. It's legislative work. It's work inside the home. It's work inside the schools. It's work in your communities. It's work inside of yourself. If you want to protect Black women, really protect Black women. We have got some work to do. Bust the myth that we do not deserve a higher place. Bust the myth that we are not worth protecting unless we are married or cornered by the police. Protecting Black women requires work. It's not just a slogan. If we are to realize our equality with all others who receive greater protection than us, we have to do some hard work. And that is it for episode nine of Ayana Explains It All, all about the myth of protecting Black women. We've seen what we think it looks like, what it should look like, what it must look like, what it can look like. All I want is for it to happen. You all have a good week. Take care.